good to be together. It's a, I'm a pastor. I started writing. Um, I'm 54. They said you must never write a book before you're 60. But I started writing last week uh, for the first time. But nobody will probably buy it. <laughs> but it doesn't really matter. It's actually called The Tears of a Pastor. And uh, in a world where there are many apostles and there are many prophets and there are many, all these things, these fancy gifts, I realize I'm actually just a pastor. I actually just love people very, very dearly. And so I was reading through the book of Acts again, as you should have been doing over the last few weeks, just reading it and reading it and reading it. And I've gone over it and over it again, maybe this time four or five times I've read the book of Acts. And the word that kept jumping out at me this week was the word magistrate. And over and over again, you see this word magistrate and you realize that Christianity is in court. And if they can't stop the life of God and the growth of God and the spirit of God, they will put it into the dock and they will try and charge it and put it into jail. And over and over again, you see Paul or one of the apostles appearing either before the magistrate or before the law court or before the spiritual courts because they're trying to squash Christianity and it's impossible. It's impossible. So I was, just, I was contemplating my time. I was in Royberg this week. I went to go and visit a guy called Derek Utsia, who started a little church that was actually started by people in this church. And they, they went to Royberg and they started this little church, Dion and Natalie, and now it's being led by a guy called Derek Utsia. I've only been to court twice, thank goodness, and neither time have I been in the dock Yet. Although I could be accused one day on the side of a rugby field of doing something silly and thundering somebody. But the first time I went to court was for a young black guy who got drunk and shot at policemen. And I had absolutely nothing in common with him except that I went to the same school as him. And so the, the headmaster phoned me and said, this young guy is going to court today. Will you go and represent him? And I thought... I have nothing in common with him other than we went to the same school. I remember sitting in that courtroom and he was charged. He came up from the police cells. He'd been beaten up by the police. And he looked at me and I looked at him and I thought, we, we went to the same school. I'm old, you're young. I'm white, you're black. And he got charged and the lawyer turned to me and he said, because there was nobody else in the courtroom, he turned to me and he said, will you pay his bail? And I kind of looked behind me to think, well, who are you talking to? And I, and I said, yes, I'll pay his bail. And I remember racing to the, the, the ATM machine and I drew the money. And when I raced back to the court, and just before I got out of my car, I had this money in my hand. And all of a sudden, the revelation of Jesus Christ paying my bail hit me. And I just started to weep. And I said to this money in my hand, I just cried and I cried and I cried and I cried. I couldn't even get out of my car. And I, and, and I could see myself in the dock and I could see the lawyer turn towards Jesus and say, will you pay Rory's bail? And Jesus saying, yes, I'll pay it with my blood. And every time I read this word magistrate in the book of Acts, I look at you, this beautiful group of people, and I want to say to you, Jesus paid your bail. Jesus paid your bail. And I think it's the best money I've ever spent. I put the money down, I got into my car, and for two or three days, I could not understand. I went into the leaders' camp. I couldn't stop crying. 
at the mercy that had been given to me. And I don't want to, you know, we're going to, one of the churches we might look at today is the book of Corinth. And, and all these fancy guys get saved. But if you read the book of Corinthians, it says, and some of you were swindlers, and some of you were homosexuals, and some of you were scandalous, and some of you were, he just mentions the lowest form of humanity. And he says, but God came to you. And constantly, I want to say, you're welcome into this church, swindlers and gays. You're welcome here. You're going to preach the gospel to you. We're going to love you. We're going to care for you. And as a pastor, I'm going to weep with you. So the book of Acts is not some kind of principle of how to win the world. It's not some strategy of important people getting trained up and planting fancy churches. Actually, in the, the greatest church planted in Acts is the church in Antioch, and it just says some of them. Say some of them. There's just some of them. Not, not the guys in ministry, just some of them. Say some of them. Turn to the person next to you and say, it could be you. It could be you. It could be you. And, and what they tried to do, friends, you've heard me say this, they tried to control God in Jerusalem. They tried to hold him down there. The Jews tried to keep him exclusive. And God started breaking out and using different people, Stephen and Philip. And, the, and then they plant this church by some of them called Antioch, and because Jerusalem wanted to control God, the Spirit of God moves to Antioch, planted by some of them who never get a name, and from that church, you and I got touched. So friends, the church is, remember this, over and over again, this is half time. You're called to be a travel agent and an insurance broker and a banker and a mother and an educator and at university to get your honors degree because God wants to use you in another development somewhere in the Middle East. This is just half time to get filled up and to be encouraged. For the Spirit of God is upon you. People keep saying to me, Rory, you really want not want us to come to the front. I really don't want you to come to the front. I want the person next to you to pray. And for every one of you who went to apologize to the screen guy, you got trapped. It was a setup last week. To show you that we're actually free, the screen guy can put whatever screen he wants up. We are called by God to do what God has called us to do. It doesn't have to look the same. The second time I was in court, friends, was with a lady in this, in, in this congregation who was charged with something that happened in a trust account. And I'll never forget sitting next to the greatest pastor I've ever met. His name is Adrian Quinlivan. He leads a church down in Stellenbosch. And him and I were sitting together in the back of the court, and we're both just crying. Because whatever that judge said was going to affect that whole family. And as his hammer came down and he said, eight years in jail, I heard a cry in the woman's heart. It was like, Aah! and it just got deep into my soul. And Adrian burst out crying and I burst out crying. And I thought, this family's life will never be the same again. But we met her son. His name is Derek. And because we met his son in the courtroom, he started coming to this church. And one day I poured a bottle of oil over his head. For those who weren't here, we spoke about two brothers, the Kellogg's brothers. The Kellogg's brothers had the biggest court case in the history of corporate America fighting over who had the rights for cornflakes. So I took a bowl of cornflakes and I put it on the carpet and we just walked about and it just crunched. Just corn. Imagine taking your brother to court for cornflakes. You believe it? Spending millions of dollars on who owns the right to cornflakes. 
But it says, when your brothers dwell together in unity, God commands a blessing, like oil poured over your head, running down your beard. And this oak had the best beard. You Durbanites think you can grow a beard, you can't. Pretoria have got a jean. Not a jean pant. They just got a jean. And the jean is to grow beards. And they sort of like, they stand here in church during worship and they go like this. And Durban, they're on the beach in their speedos and they go like this. Victoria, we just do this. And, and, and we, poured the, we poured the oil down and the oil went onto his, his beard and then onto his clothes. And people said, what about his clothes? I said, I'll buy new clothes. But that man, right now, is leading a church in Royberg of 30 to 50 people because of a court case. Because of a court case. You know what Caesar doesn't know is that everything that happens in Acts is just a foreshadowing of what's going to happen in heaven because everybody in Acts who took Christianity to court, at the end of the day, Christianity is going to take them to court. And Caesar's going to sit in the dock and he's going to be accused of many things. And then he's going to look for an advocate somewhere and think, can you help me? And unless he has an advocate in Jesus, he will pay his bail. He's in deep trouble. You and I have an advocate in court. We have a family that despite which way the court case goes, we believe that God can redeem it and plant churches in Royberg. You know, friends, Paul just says two things. In the book of Acts, I won't preach long. What's the time? Oh, 13 minutes. The book of Acts works like this. We've been, we've been trying to get to it. It's got six sections. The first section is the establishment of the church, Acts chapter 1 to Acts chapter 6, and it's all about the full-time guys. Then there's this amazing little victory statement, and Acts, the next part starts with Stephen, who's a part-time guy, takes, takes the gospel out. Stephen gets saved, Philip starts operating, and a guy called Paul gets saved, and his salvation gets mentioned three times, Acts 9, Acts 22, Acts 26. When a salvation is mentioned three times, it's important. You must read it. You must understand it. In Acts 22, he asks two questions. Who are you, Lord? Say that with me. What must I do? Who are you, Lord? No, 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 no guys. Let's, let's say it. Who are you, Lord? What must I do? When I read that scripture, I realized that my job as a leader is not to get people to do things. My job as a leader is to show them Jesus. He will get them to do things. Who are you, Lord? What shall I do? That's the two questions Paul asks, and it's the two questions you should ask yourself every single day. You see, friends, I can try and make you generous, or I can show you that Jesus is generous. Who are you, Lord? I'm a generous God. What shall I do, Lord? Andy asks. Will you be generous to my church, Andy? Yes, Lord, I'll be generous to your church. Who are you, Lord God? I'm a prayer God. What shall I do, Lord God? You should pray. If we can do a 25-week series on prayer, I can tell you all my stories on prayer, or I can show you that Jesus is actually a prayer. And if you understand that, you'll become a prayer too. 
I've been waiting a long time for you to come back to church. Been a while. You are welcome in this church. You are welcome in this church. I want to say that I met your dad on the beach. That's how he came to this church. We talked about everything but Jesus on the beach. And eventually he came here. I don't know when last you came here. But I want to say in front of your mom and dad, who I love very dearly, you're welcome in this church. I will love you. I will look after you. I will weep with you. I will walk with you. I will celebrate with you. You're a beautiful man. And it's great to see you here. I don't know why you're here today. Acts has got many different layers to it. Many, many layers. But I thought today I just need to tell you, I'm not an apostle and I'm not a prophet. But when the judge's hammer goes down, I will cry with you. And I will pray with you. And I'll walk with you. And I will love you. And as best as I know how, I'll try and show you Jesus. When he took up an offering for Marissa, for her wedding, the girl who led worship today, so beautiful, Marissa. I was walking down trying to get out here, and I met a couple right here, right here. And he said, will you marry me? I said, there are two major problems. The first one is I'm already married. And the second one, I don't want to marry you. But if you want me to do your wedding, I can do it gladly. And so I did their wedding yesterday. But the first time we met, I asked them a set of questions. And I said, I don't want you to be embarrassed. I want to ask you the questions so that you can bring it into the light, so that you can get healed. Did you hear what that man said? 50 years. 50 years I hid things that I did when I was younger because I was too embarrassed. Bring it into the light. Bring it into the light. God will pay your bail. We'll stand with you through your sentencing and the implications of that. And we'll cry with you if you need it. I haven't got to my notes. I don't know what I'm saying. But I just, wanna, I just felt I need to stand here today. And say when I heard that gavel come down in the courtroom. And I heard that lady cry. I realized my job was to cry with people who cry. And the church that I wanted to build would be a church for broken people that can get healed and be set free and be loved. Who are you, Lord God? I am the judge. What must I do? Come under my blood. Who are you, Lord? I'm generous. What shall I do? Be generous. Who are you, Lord? I'm a prayer. What shall I do? Pray. Who are you, Lord? I'm forgiving. What shall I do? Forgive. Who are you, Lord? I am merciful. 
What should I do? Be merciful. Who are you, Lord? I am whole. What should I do? Be healed. Who are you, Lord? I am kind. What shall I do? Be kind. Who are you, Lord? I see. What shall I do, Lord God? Look. Look. I went out. Andy sent me an SMS. He just said, sorry, buddy, we're running late. So I just went out. I thought maybe I could catch them. And as I went out, there was a lady standing at the pillar there just crying. And I thought Andy was late because that girl needed a pastor to see her and just cry with her. I'm not unprepared. I can teach you about the six cities that Paul touched from Acts chapter 16 to Acts chapter 19. I can tell you how he went back to Jerusalem in Acts 19 and retraced his steps all the way to Rome in Acts 28. I can teach you those things today. But I want to tell you this. I have a Savior who cries. I have a Savior who cares. I have a Savior who loves. God bless you.